Turn with me in your Bibles this afternoon to to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, page 192, if you're using our Adoration Bibles, 192. In connection with a covenant baptism as well as covenant instruction with the beginning of a new catechism year, we're going to consider this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 together this afternoon. For a bit of context, Moses is in the midst of his farewell address to the people of Israel. As you may recall, Moses has been wandering in the wilderness with the people of Israel for 40 years. For 40 years, he sought to lead them and guide them along the green pastures of God's word according to God's will for their lives. And so you can about imagine the great burden that Moses must have as he now prepares this final address for the people of Israel. He's not going to go into the promised land, but they're going to go in. And so we need to hear his words afresh and anew this afternoon. Coming into the middle of this farewell address, may the Spirit of Christ give us ears to hear what he says to his church. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you test him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you. And that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. And when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there 
that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So far, God's holy word. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we heard from the form of baptism a few moments ago, God calls us and our children to put our trust for life and death in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in baptism, God calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him in obedience and love. To that end, the form of baptism goes on to say that because God includes our children in his covenant, because his promises are as much for them as they are for us, we ought therefore always to teach our little ones that they have been set apart as God's covenant children. And having been set apart as children of the promise, Christian parents are instructed to train their children to live all their days in light of that promise. That's what Jonathan and Leah have committed themselves to do this afternoon. That they will do all that they can to raise little Judah in the whole and complete doctrine of salvation. And in connection with that promise, we too have made a promise. We too, as the congregation of Christ, have made a promise that we will receive this child as our brother. That we will help care for him and always encourage him in the fellowship of believers. Why do we do these things? Why do we take these lofty promises and vows upon our lips? Well, we find the answer here in our passage for this afternoon. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Lord God speaks to his people Israel. The Lord God speaks to a people whom he has identified in years past as his treasured possession out of all the peoples of the world. He speaks to a people whom at the foot of Mount Sinai he had incorporated to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. The gracious God of the covenant now speaks to moms and dads. He speaks to boys and girls. He speaks to the entire covenant community. And by his word and spirit, he speaks to us with the same message that he had for them so very long ago. And this is what he says. Your confession about who I am and what I have done Your confession about who I am and what I have done for you ought to have a great impact on who you are and how you will live for me. The Spirit of Christ speaks a word of encouragement to us, and he says, by way of reminder, take care. Take great care lest you forget the Lord. Take great care lest you forget the Lord and his faithfulness to the promise. And that's why we do what we do. That's why little Judah was brought up to the front of church, that he might receive the sign and seal of the covenant promise, and also so that by seeing that promise portrayed in the waters of baptism, we too might be reminded again of who God is and what he has done. All the while recognizing that who God is and what he has done obliges us to make certain promises in return, namely to rely on his word to remember his works and to retell his wonders. 
Our confession about who God is and what he has done ought to have a great impact on who we are. Ought to have a great impact on how we now live for him. And that's what we find here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Our confession about who God is has necessary ramifications for every area of life, and that certainly includes how covenant children are to be raised in the fear of the Lord. And so this afternoon, we need to ask the question with the psalmist, how shall the young direct their way? And what light shall be their guide? But we also need to answer with the psalmist, your word, O Lord, will safely lead, and in its wisdom we confide. Congregation, are you living by this confession this afternoon? Do your lives here and now, does your parenting, does your work, does your learning at school reflect a reliance on the word of the Lord? Because relying on the word of the Lord in faith is where the raising of our children in the fear of the Lord begins. God's word, of course, reveals a central truth that God's covenant children are just that. They are his covenant children. And what that means, people of God, is that God, as their heavenly Father, gets to dictate the terms. He gets to have the final say on how we, as their earthly fathers and mothers, nurture his children. How shall the young direct their way? How will God's children be made equipped for service in the kingdom of God throughout the coming generations? Where will they look for direction and discernment? How will they come to know what it means that that Christ has laid claim on every aspect of their life, on how they think and on what they do and on what they say. That's the first thing the Spirit of Christ reveals to us here in our passage this afternoon. As the covenant community, parents and grandparents, as Moms and dads, as men and women, boys and girls, ought always to be relying on the word of the Lord. That's where we'll discover the direction, discernment that we need to live faithfully in a faithless world. And that's what Moses, by the Spirit of Christ, is urging us to recognize again this afternoon when he says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, so that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, all your days by keeping all the Lord's statutes and all his commandments. God was calling the people of Israel then to do the same thing that he calls the people of God to do today, to live as the people of the promise. God is calling us to live as a people who, having embraced his promises in faith, now also embrace all his rules and and all his statutes in the same faith. That's what God is calling us to do when he goes on to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And this commandment, these commands shall be written on your hearts. God isn't just talking about warm feelings when he says, you shall love the Lord your God, but God is using covenant language. You shall love the Lord your God, he's saying. This is covenant language. This is loyalty language that gets to the very heart of where our allegiances lie in this life. And here's what it all boils down to. Because 
the Lord loves you with all that he has and with all that he is, you must love the Lord in the same way. You too must love him with all that you have and all that you are, not just on Sundays, not just on the dinner table or at the beginning of your day with devotions, but love for the Lord your God is to be the determining factor for how you think and and what you do and what you say. Moses is very concerned, you see, at the law of God, not just be engraved on tablets of stone, but also on their hearts. In verse 29 of chapter 5, that's what God said. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to, to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and their descendants forever. And that's what the Spirit of Christ is pressing upon us this afternoon. The concern is not merely that you have Bibles on your bookshelves or in close proximity to your dinner tables. But the Spirit of Christ's concern for all of us is that we are to have the Word of Christ written on our hearts. Love for God and love for the Word of God, these are the things that that we as parents need to be fostering in the hearts of our children. God says you shall teach these things diligently to them. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the way, when when you lie down at night and when you rise up in the morning. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets on your eyes. For there is not a square inch, we know, over the whole of our human existence over which Christ the King does not cry mine. And because we believe that to be true, it is also true That because there is not a square inch of which Christ does not say mine, there's not a square inch over all of our existence into which the word of Christ does not have something to say. And that's what Moses is getting at here. When you're sitting at home with the kids or when you're teaching your kids to fish outside, you are to be bringing the word of the king to bear on every area of life. So that even when you're just walking along the way, your children can see increasingly in you that you are not living for yourselves, but that you are living as faithful servants of the King. And so the Spirit of Christ says to us this afternoon, yes, have my word written on your hearts, but also wear it on your sleeves. That's what Christ says to us in baptism. That's what he says to Jonathan and to Leah and to all of us here, whether we are parents or grandparents or whether we are single or married or whether we are still young children. The Lord Christ speaks, and this is what he says, you are to wear my promises. You are to wear my rules. You are to let my word and my ways determine who you are and the way you are. Parents, if we are committed to having our children learn all the subjects in school, and if we are committed to having them become skilled in music and athletics and everything else, all good things, how much more shouldn't we be committed to nurturing our children in the fear of the Lord? How much more shouldn't we be committed to calling them to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and all their strength, and everything that they do? If cultivating greater love for God in the hearts of your children is not at the very core of everything that you encourage your children to do, 
then like the foolish man in Jesus' parable, you're building their houses upon sinking sand. And so Moses goes on to say, you shall write the statutes of the Lord on the doorposts of your house and even on your gates. And here's what Moses is getting at. The lifestyle of our homes and families ought to speak volumes. The lives of our homes and families ought to speak volumes about who we are and what we're all about. Not only for our children, but also for a watching world. Congregation, we live in a world where people are so scared, scared for their children, scared for their future, some of them even scared for their lives. Just this past week, as I was in my study at Emmanuel, there was suddenly a troubled man at my window asking if he could please come in to make confession. And while we let him come in, and he might have expressed some guilt for sins in the past, the overarching theme of his story was fear. Afraid for his life, afraid for the future, afraid of the world. And while I don't know if any of our words penetrated his heart, I'm certainly glad that Pastor Swill and I were able to explain to him that we don't need to be afraid. And now he doesn't need to be afraid either. Because we have a Father in Heaven who loves us, who takes care of us, no matter what circumstances might come our way. Congregation, when our neighbors see us, when we invite them into our homes, that's the opportunity that we have. In the midst of so much bad news, we have the opportunity to share the good news of God's promises to save and to protect his people. And that's the way God is calling Israel to live here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. By living according to the word of the Lord, by relying on the word of the Lord, as they begin to settle land of promise, not only will they pass the faith on to their children, but also as the nations look around and see this place, they might see there is something about this nation that sets them apart from all the rest. In that way, they'd become a beacon of hope in a hopeless world, even as Solomon's kingdom became just that, as the queen of Sheba came from afar to unburden all the cares of her heart, to see this great kingdom where the people of God were loved by God, But maintaining that powerful witness could only be achieved by remembering the works of the Lord. And so Moses goes on to say in verses 10 through 12, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, a land with great and good cities that you did not build, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, take care. When you enter this glorious land of promise, take care lest you forget the promise. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt now to the house of slavery. Brothers and sisters, why do you think God gives this command? Why is it so important for us to take care lest we forget the Lord and his faithfulness to the promise? Why is it so important that we take care lest we forget the works of the Lord from the past? We find the answer in verses 13 and following. When God's people would forget the Lord, when they would forget his works, they would soon become tempted to live like the world around them. And so the Spirit of Christ reveals how fundamental remembering the works of the Lord is for our life. 
It is so fundamental because remembering the works of the Lord is what keeps us firmly grounded in the grace of the Lord. Israel isn't entering another desert land, but they're about to enter the promised land, a place where cities have already been built, where houses are already full. Entering a place where cisterns and wells are already dug with with trees that are already bearing fruit. But as soon as they forget the works of the Lord, they'll begin to look to their own strength and success for security. And that's something that we need to be wary of this afternoon as well. If we as parents and if we as a covenant community begin to rely on our strength and success for security in this life, then there will be no greater burden than to raise children in the way they should go. But if we remember the promise that God is the one who will ultimately write his law in our children's hearts, if we remember his works, that God is the one who sent his son into the world, who sent his spirit to to give us new hearts according to the heart of Christ. If we remember the promises, if we remember his works, then it will be our greatest joy to live in light of the promise and to call our children to live in light of the same promise. But Moses also points out how we not only need to remember the works of the Lord in seasons of strength and success, but also in seasons of frustration and failure. That's what he is getting at in verses 16 and following when he says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test like you did at Massa, but you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord. Perhaps some of you recall the incident of Massa recorded in Exodus chapter 17. It was a sad chapter in Israel's history. The people of Israel found themselves in a situation that was calling for faith and trust. But in the hour of crisis, they made their demand for water the condition upon which they would continue in faith and trust. There at Mass of the people whom God had just saved from the Red Sea now imposed conditions on God. Rather than simply trusting that God would provide, they doubted God. They doubted that he was even with them at all. And we need to be wary of that as well whether we find ourselves in seasons of success or failure, whether we find ourselves in seasons of prosperity or poverty, we must always remember the works of the Lord and just how faithful the Lord really is. That's the way it was to be amongst the people of Israel, that having the word of God hidden in their hearts, they would also have the works of God always on their minds. And as they lived in this distinctly Christian way, relying on the word of God and remembering the works of God, then the covenant children would begin to ask the questions, thus giving the great privilege to retell the wonders of God. Verse 20, And when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of these testimonies and statutes and the rules that our Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and great wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us a land that he swore to our fathers. 
And this is the way we respond to our children. We retell the wonders of the Lord. Christ came in the earth to die on the cross to save us from our sins. This is why we do what we do. Boys and girls, it's good to ask mom and dad questions about why we do what we do. When you get home later on tonight, it's good to ask mom and dad, was I baptized like Judah was baptized? Why was I baptized? What that means for you parents is that you need to convey how it is your greatest joy to answer those questions. Relying on God's word, you need to be parents of the word. You need to be parents who love God's word, who meditate on God's word, so that you might be able to retell the wonders of God with joy and excitement. And as the covenant community people of God, we need to remember that all these stories in the Bible, they are our stories. These wonders of God, they've been written, they've been kept for us. And so the Bible is like our family album. Just like when we look through old family photos and say, do you remember this? Do you remember that? We need to read our Bibles with our covenant children the same way. With the same joy, the same excitement, the the same fond memory. God has given us stories that we might tell of his wonders. So he might tell of his wonderful works in creation and in his redemption in Christ and, that, and of his consummation, the second coming of Christ. The Lord knows how great the task of raising children in the fear of the Lord is. And that's why he hasn't given us a Bible full of only epistles. But he has given us stories. Because children understand stories. And God has been gracious to convey himself through many stories from the Old to the New Testament so that they too might, might learn of the wonders of God, how he is their creator and how he is their redeemer. And these are the wonders we need to be talking about. And so we don't need to become overwhelmed as we seek to raise our children the way they should go. If we cling to these stories and retell the wonders of the Lord not just when we're sitting in our houses, but also when we're walking by the way. And all our activity is applying the word of Christ to every aspect over which Christ says is mine. Retelling the wonders of the Lord, that's the task of our catechism teachers as well. So that whether we're learning about the catechism or the Belgian confession, the canons of Dort, or whether we're learning about church history or faith's greatest challenges, All these things are funneled through a framework of these are all taking place in light of the wonders of the Lord. These are all taking place because God is the God of the covenant who's saved his people from their sins, who's called his people out of the world and into the church. Boys and girls, I know there will be some weeks when you don't much care for catechism and when you won't be very excited about doing your catechism work in addition to your other schoolwork. Certainly I know what that's like. But I want you to be encouraged by the word of Christ this afternoon. I want to just say that Christ is greatly honored when you devote extra time to learning your things of catechism. Christ loves eager learners. He loves the little children who commit themselves to learning more and more of who he is and what he's done. 
And as you memorize the Lord's Day, it's not always the most fun thing to do, I realize. I want to encourage you to regard that memory work as an investment for your future, as hiding these things in your heart, storing them for a rainy day, so to speak. So that when perhaps your first boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you, you'll already know in your heart, I'm not my own. I don't, I don't belong to that boy or girl. My value is not defined by him or her. But I belong to Jesus, and my value is defined by who I am in his sight. And in his sight, I am precious and greatly loved. We need to hide these things in our hearts now while we're young. So that when we leave home in the future, and when the trials of this life come our way, we'll have stored up in our hearts the things we learned in our youth, things like what we'll later memorize in Lord's Day 10, that nothing comes our way by chance or by happenstance, but all things by the Father's hand. And boys and girls, as you grow in your knowledge of Christ, you'll also grow in your knowledge of sin. But there too, you'll find yourself hopefully remembering the things you learned as a child, things that you learn, that you're studying even for this coming Wednesday, that when I feel guilty for my sins, I can remember the waters of baptism and how just as the water has washed away the filth of my body, so is Christ's blood and spirit washed away all my sins. Congregation, may we never forget the Lord. May we never forget his faithfulness to the promise. May we never lose our love for retelling the wonders of the Lord. Because Israel's assurance is also our assurance this afternoon. It will be righteousness for us. If we take great care to remember the Lord in faith, God promises that as those who have been justified by grace, we will be counted among the righteous, resting forever secure in the covenant promise even to the end of the age. Our confession about who God is and what he has done for us ought to have a great impact on who we are. It ought to have a great impact on how we now are committed to living the rest of our lives for him. And so may we never cease relying on the word of the Lord. And may we never fail to remember the works of the Lord. May it always be our greatest delight to retell the wonders of the Lord. God will surely bless us. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before you as your covenant children, young and old. We come before you as a people whom you have called out of the world in the same way that you called Israel out of the world, to be your treasured people among the nations, to be a holy nation and a royal priesthood. Father, we pray that you would apply these principles to our hearts, that we would put these principles into practice. And Father, some of us as parents are falling short of these things. May you remind us by your word and spirit that it is never too late. It is never too late to take up again the promises we've made. It's never too late to recommit ourselves to loving you with all our heart, soul, might, and strength and to teaching our children to do the same. Father, may you give us grace always to rely on the word of the Lord. That as we seek to train our children to answer life's hardest questions, we do that with the guiding light of your word. And may the word of God, O God, we pray, 
form for us a framework by which we see everything in this world, for how we understand everything about this world. Father, we pray that you would impress upon our hearts and upon our minds the works of the Lord, that in all seasons of life we would remember that you are the Lord who brought us out of slavery, who transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And Father, may it be our greatest joy to retell the wonders of the Lord, especially to our children and to our grandchildren, but also to those around us. May we make it our great aim of life to tell one another of the wonders of the Lord, how good you are, and of your faithfulness to the covenant promise. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.